Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your new account, go to squarespace.com slash twip. This week on Twip, Canon's Wonder Camera concept, using a superphone to shoot supermodels, and BP's continued media blackout. All that and more on episode number 157 of This Week in Photo. And we're back for another episode of This Week in Photography. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the show, we've got two people, one of which you've heard on almost every show, and another one who comes on relatively infrequently, but it's always a pleasure when she is on the show. First up is Catherine Hall. Hey, Catherine. Hi. Thanks well, for having me. You're welcome. Welcome back to This Week in Photography. I'm so excited to be a part of with the new launch to be one of the first shows. I'm yeah, part of it. thank you, thank you. You you are actually. I think this is the first show since we pushed the new thing out. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. It's amazing. And also on the show, of course, is Mr. Alex Lindsay. Hey, Alex. Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm doing well. I, I feel like I just uh, I just talked talked to you. We did. I just talked to you on Mac Break Weekly. Yeah. What's, what's up with that? <laughs> Okay, you guys should never do that again. <laughs> I feel like I need to slick my hair back. And, no, you know. As soon as I said it, I was like, you know, I don't do that accent. And I was just like, yeah, I really don't. I really don't do that accent. I like, yeah, I don't. Neither of you guys did so great. Just don't don't start doing, Alex, don't start doing the, uh, what was Leo doing? He was doing uh, Norman Bates' mother. I can't do that. I, 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 I don't, I'm, I'm not, the, the one that I just did was not one I should have done. And that one, I'm, I know I don't know. Uh, yeah, I could do a mean Norman Bates' mother. So I'm not even going to do it. I'm saying I can do it. Okay. Uh, Now you have to. All right. Here we go. You since you twisted my arm. You ready? Here it goes. Yeah. Here. Norman. Norman. (laughs) That's it. That's all I can do. It was was totally unnecessary. That's all I want to say. It's nothing nothing to do with with photography, but, uh, you know. I could, I could, I could do that role if I needed to. Exactly. All right. Before we roll into the show, Alex, you want to give a nod to our sponsor? Yeah, we'd like to thank Squarespace.com. It is, of course, a fast and easy way to publish high-quality uh, website or blog. Uh, it is, uh, you know, they now have a native uh, Twitter widget that allows you to add multiple accounts, filter by keyword, customize the look and feel of your design. Uh, they have a Flickr widget and an RSS widget, and and they build all the stuff up. And of course, all of this is WYSIWYG. You while you're building it. It, it, it looks the way it's going to look. You don't have to know how to do HTML code. You don't know, have to know how to uh, move your site around or what server it's on or anything else. It's all in the cloud. And so uh, it's something that is, you know, this is what my, my blog, if you go to bordersac.com, uh, it's S-A-C, bordersac.com, uh, you'll see, you know, that I put something together there. And that didn't take, you know, that was like a morning to throw that together. And so... Uh, I don't know, but maybe it looks like that. I don't know. To, to me, it's a, it, you know, but the thing is, is it was so easy. If I want to make changes, I can put it in there. If I want to link things to my Amazon account, I can, I can do that. All these things are, are easy. When anybody asks me, like, oh, I'm thinking of building something for my small business, or I'm thinking of, uh, you know, putting up my, my uh, photography gallery or whatever, it's just so much easier just to use Squarespace and just throw it together. So um, it's just a really great way to uh, throw something up if you're, you know, and, and even if you, have, if you, if you want to do advanced stuff, there, you can do CSS work on it. 
Um, of course, you can port stuff in and out of it, in and out of things like WordPress and Blogger and Movable Type and TypePad. Uh, you can add forums, and it's got form builders, and, and all this stuff is kind of built in for you. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah, you, you can try it for free. So just go to squarespace.com slash twip. So squarespace.com slash TWIP. You don't need a credit card. You can just try to build your own site. You know, so you don't have to take my word for it. Just go up there. Go to squarespace.com slash twip. Try to build your own site. If you decide you want to uh, purchase it, you'll get 10% off with the offer code TWIP. Uh, so um, just check it out. It's it's really worth it if you're just if, if you if you don't have a website up there because it was too complicated because it was difficult to put together. This is really your first step. So squarespace.com/slash twip. All right, thanks a lot, Alex. All right, on to the news. Uh, story number one. Um, we we've talked about sort of these political and and somewhat controversial topics on the show before, but uh, story number one is about a photographer that was detained by cops. And BP uh, rent a cops in Texas for for taking pictures of a refinery. Um, basically, they held him back. And this is a, a tweet that that I sent out earlier this week, or it relates to a tweet that I sent out earlier this week on the This Week in Photo Twitter account about how uh, BP has kind of uh, either either willingly or unwillingly or whether it was complicit in the laws being changed with regard to how close photographers and other news media can get to anything related to the oil spill. It's now 65 feet away. So, you know, for Alex, I want to get your thoughts on this because you're, you're, you're a traveler and you, you from time to time, I'm sure you come upon things that are, that you shouldn't be taking pictures of or that people don't want you to take pictures of. What do you, what do you think about this story? Well, I think that BP is making a big mistake here. <laughs> and I think that, you know, it's uh, and especially when you start incorporating local law enforcement. Um, I, the argument, there was a, uh, a, a section about this in, on NPR that I was listening to a lot over the weekend. And the argument, part of the argument is, is that when you start taking pictures of, of um, what they call critical infrastructure, uh, which is some of the refineries, uh, power stations, after, since 9-11, there is a lot less rules about what the government can and can't do. Uh, if you start getting into those areas because they're afraid that you might be a terrorist. And in this case, they're afraid that people might be uh, eco-terrorists. And, and so they're paying attention to a lot of these things. Um, but I think that it's obviously a big PR problem for BP. People already feel like they're being stonewalled, that, that, that people aren't being able to see the site. They're not being able to you know, get out there. And, they, and, um, and so you know, obviously BP is trying to Somebody in BP uh, is trying to control the the information, and it's very you know un-American. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When I'm in, and, I, and I, what I will say is that when I'm in America, I expect a certain level of protection. Um, if I'm on a public, if I'm not on private property, I pretty much expect to be able to pull out my camera and do whatever I want with it. I mean, I have to admit that you know if I want to take pictures wherever that is, once I'm in a public area. Uh, you know, within reason. I mean, I don't take pictures of people's kids. That's not so much. I don't think I can, or I'm, I'm not allowed. I just don't think it's right. I mean, it's it's, it's common. It's common sense. Now, Catherine, right. Catherine, you you travel the world. You've been to you know third world countries and and you know all kinds of interesting places. What what does this say to you? You know, in in some of the work and some of the the important work that you've done in your photographic past. Do you, do you see this sixty five foot rule or these these sort of these legislations that are going through to block photographers, would they affect what you've done in the past or you think they'll affect what you're doing in the future? Um, I mean, I, it's interesting, ironically enough, but what reminds me most of this is when I did a, something in the United States, which was a series of um, 
in Appalachia, and I photographed some of the coal mines out there. And I felt the same way in a sense of it was public property, you know, where I wanted to shoot these coal mine areas, but they were very uh, resistant. They didn't want me there because it's such a political thing, you know, because of what coal mining does to the land. Mm -hmm. So um, I ran into that myself a lot. And I think, I hate to say this, but I think being a female, you get away with a lot more. Mm. Um, You know, they weren't as enforcing of the rules because it was like, well, she's just a girl with a camera. She's, let's talk to her. There's not a lot of girls around here. That's interesting. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I noticed that it helped. I mean, I had people bringing me into the coal mines and taking me on to, like, stuff getting access that, you know, wasn't really legally allowed. Um, so anyway, back to what your original question was, is, you know, as far as these rules, like the 65-foot rule, and going back to it being un-American, I mean, I think of all of the... Dorothea Lang and, you know, just important parts of our times and big documentary stories, whether it's portraiture or environmental. And if you're restricting access to that, then isn't that, how are we really supposed to tell the story? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. You can't get in. Yeah, one of, one of the quotes from the article is the, the official told the photographer that he had the, the right to look at the pictures taken they had the right to look at the pictures that were taken near the refinery. And if he didn't comply, he would be quote taken in. Um, it is, it just sounds it's like uh, Alex, you're saying it sounds, it sounds like, yeah, well, it sounds like old Russia is like un-American or just how, yeah, I don't, I can't get my brain around that, that kind of thing. It sounds very much, where are your papers kind of thing. Well, and I, and I have to admit, I, being uh, me, I probably would have said, in, in the United States. Now, I will say that when I'm in Africa uh, or I'm in other countries that I don't know what all the rules are, I'm pretty docile. You know, I don't, I don't shoot a lot of crazy things that I see go by. I don't, I don't pull my camera out around government offices. I, don't, I just don't do those kind of things because, you know, you don't know what the rules are. And once you get into the legal system, I mean, you know, people have found that you get in the legal system in Italy. And, you know, it's a mess and you'll never get out. And so, so the, uh, um, let alone, you know, some of the countries that I'm in. And so, so, but in the United States, if someone said, if you don't show me your data, we're going to take you in. I'm afraid that I probably would say, "Go ahead." Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, like, where, I'm, I'm if you were in you. Africa and you said that, you, you it might oh, be three or four months up, before you saw the light of day. To, day exactly, again or something. exactly. Yeah. But in the United States, what I'd be looking at is, you know, you just got to be ready that you know, <laughs> I come from a family of lawyers. You take me in, and this is really going to get ugly. You know, yeah. you know, where you know, like if, if BP is telling me that, I can guarantee you, you know, if they took me in, we'd be talking about a lawsuit. You know, and, and that, and, 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 you know, I'd make, I'd pay off that camera real quick, you yeah. know? And so, so that's how I'd be looking at it. I'd be looking at it as a chutching because, um, because I don't think that you want to put that in front of a jury and the settlement of just a couple of phone calls on a settlement would be 10 grand, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and, that's and Catherine, point. you know, the, one of the things that we talked about, another topic we talked about on the show is, um, there was this law that came about a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago that, it is in in some states. It is illegal for photographers to take photographs of law enforcement officials. Meaning, it is a felony. I believe they said it was, and you can be taken in and arrested and booked. And in fact, some people had been had actually experienced that. Now, in your in your experience in your line of work, I know it's, it's mainly with the, with portraiture and weddings. But you know, when you do your documentary style work. Do you do you feel like that you would change your way of photography knowing that, well, okay, I can't take pictures of 
kids, of course. No pictures of government buildings. And, okay, no pictures of police officers or law enforcement officials. And now I got to stay 65 per feet away from anything BP related. You know, do, do you feel like that? Does that affect you at all? Or is it just sort of fringe type restrictions? Well, yeah, I want to get into that. But before I, I go there, I have one comment to say about what Alex was saying um, and just about the 65-foot rule and all these things that we're talking about is the thing that we're not thinking about is the sub- subconscious um, ramifications of this. And, like, while Alex says, yes, I I'm, I'm come from a family of lawyers, I'm educated, I know my rights, a lot of people aren't as educated, and myself included, and so there's intimidation factor there. Like, yeah, while they let him go, I mean, they shook the guy up. I mean, if you're out there to document and do a job and you have people, all these people coming up, getting your ID, wanting to look at your pictures, like, that's going to affect how you're able to capture things. It's going to make you feel, it's, it's intimidating, you know? And so from that sense is even just that alone, I feel like, is going to be... Um, make people shy away from well, but I think getting that, I think, shots. Yeah. I think one of the mistakes that, that BP's making, of course, is that also for, there's a there's a segment of photographers where that's attractive. You know, like, mm-hmm. now there's a fight. Oh, yeah. You know, and so, and, and these guys are going to come in and they're going to know what their rights are. And they're going to, you know, and they'll have, they may be shooting that photo out in, the, out in the open and they'll have some guy with a telephoto lens taking a video of the whole interaction. Yeah. That's, that, that's what's going to happen next. I mean, the, the mistake the story. of... <laughs> sorry? That will be the story. Yeah, well, that's the whole thing is that is that you know you could you, yeah. you set up an interaction that is going to get you a reaction. I mean, this is paparazzi kind of stuff, but yeah. the thing is, is that video of police roughing up a photographer is going to be worth a lot of money, you yeah. know. And, and that's the and so the mistake that they're making here is that is that number one is they don't have a constitutional leg to stand on, and they're you know they can't do this much longer. When we're talking about it, when NPR is talking about it, so on and so forth, they're going to have to back off because I mean, I'm not saying us it's more npr <laughs> um but the point is is that because uh, now that twips talked about it uh, the, yeah. the, uh, uh we've brought the law down it's mainstream now yeah, yeah exactly no but but i'm saying the point is is that as this starts to get press you know uh, national press whether it's npr and, and so on and so forth um they're gonna have to back down you know and, and they didn't and they didn't and they're gonna get a bunch of news that isn't is not helping their case um, and I think that most likely this is a lower, I don't think this is coming from the top of BP. I think it's some dude who, you know, someone further down, you know, many rungs down making a decision. He just doesn't want people taking pictures of it. And I think he's probably going to get at least reprimanded for it. Yeah. So then, so then Catherine, back to the question, how, yeah. how does this affect you or how do these restrictions affect you and the things that you want to do as a photographer? Um, I mean, I wouldn't say Going back kind of what Alex says, some people actually seek that. <laughs> so I'm kind of an adrenaline dunk junkie. So a lot of times for me, I like to try to do things that I'm not really supposed to. So I would probably push it. But mm-hmm. once again, I would only push it in the U.S. I wouldn't do that out of country because you, yeah. you're just not protected in the same way. Yeah, you're, um, you're in somebody else's house. Yeah. So if it were me and I had this assignment, I would sort of be like, okay, well, how can I, how can I break this rule without getting caught? <laughs> Yeah. How can I get the, the stuff that other people aren't getting because they're following the 65 foot rule? Yeah, uh, that's kind of my would be my approach, and it would be really nerve wracking and scary, but I would do it. You know, I, I, think, I, I would... think you should do an experiment, Catherine. Since you said uh, being being a, a female affords you certain uh, license to get into certain some areas, I think you should approach the oil spill. 
Go and for see it. if you can't get in. We should do an experiment, you know, a, a guy and Catherine and, <laughs> and see who can get closest. And Catherine, you got to, you know, put put on put on the full uh, regalia and go in there and we'll have a regular dude go in there. We'll see. We'll see who can get closest. Uh, I wonder. That's that's a really interesting topic to see if, if you could actually get in there and get some shots. I don't know. That's interesting. Yep. Well, I think the other thing is, is that is that it is, uh, you know, if I was going to do it, I would definitely be streaming you know, streaming either video or audio, no, having people know where I am on GPS, you know, public, that public amount of uh, pressure, and it's all available now, is stuff that can be done, you know, you know because the, then there's very little that they can do. I mean, we, we were shooting at, at, a, at a red event, and, uh, and they were like, we're going to have to take your tape because we weren't really supposed to be shooting in the event. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was like, there is no tape. <laughs> we're streaming. Oh, you know, it, my it, God. Nice. And, you know, and, and, and then there's this, this kind of silence, like, does not compute, does not compute. Oh, no. Not, you know, like, like the, the security awesome. guys are just, the guys are just kind of confused because I've been shooting there for 45 minutes, you know. And, and, That's and, brilliant. Um, I like and that. And they were just like, oh, yeah, we're going to have to take your, your tape now. And, and I was just like. Yeah, we don't have a tape. <laughs> there is goes, no spoon. <laughs> and it, and yeah, yeah, exactly. There is no spoon. He's like, he's like, so, so, uh, what's the delay? You know, and I said about twenty seconds. <laughs> so, Jeez. so, um, you know, so, it, you know, those are the kind of things that are available. And I also think that when you start taking photos of those, I'd be more tempted to go with something like my iPhone because, uh, you know, I was on the I was on the tarmac at uh, in Rwanda in in the Kigali Airport, mm-hmm. and I wanted to take pictures of the tarmac, so I took my iPhone out and took a couple photos. A woman pulled out a, an SLR and started taking photos. And security, security in Rwanda took her took her uh, memory card away real quick. Oh, wow. I mean, it was like it was like boom. Because they're worried about. I mean, they have some. Uh, you know, we saw just what happened in in uh, Uganda over the weekend. They have very visceral concerns about security, especially around infrastructure like that. And I just wanted a picture from my blog of the airports while I'm going in and out of it. And so I just took them with my iPhone and got no trouble. But you pull out a real camera somewhere. And, and the, the reality is, from a news perspective, uh, what you're getting out of your iPhone is probably good enough. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. just until the, those, those officials become aware of the quality that you can get out of an iPhone. And you, I would say that's a pretty big risk because you could have you run the risk of losing your phone, not only just a camera. You know? Yeah, but, but the thing is, is that you could also be, you know, you could be uploading those as you're shooting them. So they can sit there and go, we'd like the film. And you're like, okay, that's fine. You can have it. I mean, if, if I know that I'm going to sell those photos, and especially if there's a story related to them taking my, my, my phone, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I've been uploading those photos since I started shooting. Then you're in a, you know, a, you know, this gets into a MiFi with a uh, a MiFi with a Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. I love <laughs> you know, or, or a MiFi with a i iFi. Yeah, you know, you could be sitting there firing off photos, and and they're getting uploaded to the internet. And this is a good reason for that when you're doing news uh, or something that's a little bit more sensitive is get those into the cloud as fast as possible because it takes it, it diffuses the situation real quick because there's nothing they can do. That's you know, I love no, that. I love that. That's that's really cool. That's how Catherine. Have you ever done a wedding like that where you're you're shooting live to like some some server somewhere or or is no, that are we even I, there yet? I'm not. Yeah, I'm so paranoid with <laughs> with weddings and cards and how they're downloaded, and I'd have to do that a lot before I'd ever bring it to a wedding. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. Yep. Okay, let's move on to the next story. This next one up is uh, is uh, a, f- a little future-facing. It's about the Canon Wonder Camera. It's a concept camera that uses video to take photos. And Alex, I remember, I think a while ago, you, you brought this up on the show, that this may be coming where the the need to take still photography would go away and everything would be motion and you just pull frames from it. Well, it looks like Canon 
is working on that. And Catherine, I wanted to pick your brain on this initially first, because like, like we're just saying, you shoot weddings and portraits and that sort of thing. Do you see a day when you would use something like this camera to just sort of film the entire thing and then go in selectively and pull out the still images you want for the album? You know, I've been thinking about that a lot, you know, just how video is sort of transforming the way the industry works and multimedia is becoming so prominent. Um, you know, I think there's something to be said when it comes to, I mean, documentary would be different, but when it comes to creating art, whether it's through a wedding or, mm-hmm. um, your intention is thinking of, you know, lighting composition. And, and when you're doing video, I feel like you're sort of s- stuck in the continuum. You know, you're, there's not like one decisive moment that you're right. framing perfect, lighting perfect, getting everything perfect for this shot. And yep. so from that sense, I feel like it's a bit inferior um, just from that perspective of like, you know, getting that wow image um, versus, wow, I'm going to get a ton and pull from it because you're not really designing a specific shot while you're doing that. Does, right. does that even make sense? Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. So, so I could see that as far as replacing the art of photography, I feel like there's still a long way to go. Um, with that said you know, who knows? Like for people that aren't interested in necessarily the best of the best artistic quality of images and just really want straight documentation of good quality. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like it could totally take over. Yeah. You know? I, I see it. I, I, I have to agree with you. I see it. And of course, this is a concept. So who knows what it's going to come or what it's going to be when it, and if it arrives, but just those things like you're on vacation and you're shooting video and you know, you decide that, Hey, that's it. I wish I could frame that thing and you could export a frame from it. Now, Alex, you are very familiar with red technology. Um, and each frame that the red camera shoots or one of the red cameras can shoot is a raw file, right? So it's just shooting like 30 or whatever frames per second and creating it's, successive it's, raw files. Correct? It's called red raw. It's, it's not, raw the way we think about it it's it there's a compression that's going on there and so um and you notice it more when you're looking at the stills than when you look at the video um but it is a um there is a compression that's that's that is um that is there so and 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 it is you know it's 4k 4k wide so i mean you're looking at an image that is probably whatever eight or ten megapixels Mm -hmm. Uh, but i do think you know i think that it's great to be able to grab that i think for sports photographers it could make a lot of sense you know, being able to grab, you don't even need the whole game, but if you could grab, you know, six-second areas where you're, you know, grabbing all the stuff moving and you're worried about all the framing that's required and everything else, but a lot of it is you're not setting anything up. You're where you are and you're capturing what you can. Um, you know, that type of thing I think could make a sense, but I, I definitely think that there's a different way of thinking oftentimes that um, video creates that, you know, when you're doing a still, you're waiting for that moment. Yeah. And that moment may fall between two, you know, two thirty. I mean, even if you're shooting 30 frames a second, that that moment may fall between those. Uh, it's a blink of an eye. It's a it's a um, you know, it's a change. And, and you when you're taking that photo, you're anticipating that mm-hmm. you're getting ready for it. You're waiting for that to happen. And then you're and, and then you're you know, there's a whole bunch of pieces there where you're grabbing onto it. And that thought process doesn't happen when you're doing video. It, it, it's just different. And, and I do a lot of both. And so um, I do think that. You know, with video, you, I think that still photographers do well in video because you're thinking about framing and you're, and oftentimes thinking about it a little bit more than, uh, 
straight videographers. Uh oh, you're going to get some hate mail on that one. <laughs> no, I think still photographers do really well. I think that I think that there's a big. I think a lot of still photographers are afraid of video. And I think it's a mistake because I think that 90% of the rules that you follow are the same when you talk about video. And I think that sometimes videographers can be a little lazy. I mean, I work with them. And, and sometimes they, they can be a little lazy about, about what they're covering in a way that I think that come, someone comes from still where every frame matters. I think they approach it differently. I think that they focus on framing a little bit differently. So they have a lot more to think about in terms of well, it's the action and not only composition of one frame, it's the action moving through that frame, the lighting on each each point within the, of the subject within that frame, and it's the audio, it's on and, and that's on the, and on. And that, right? definitely what happens is, is that you, you, you have to learn how to add all those things into it. You have to learn how to, like, for instance, you want to, as a photographer, you're going to follow someone and f- constantly be framing them. As a videographer, you're going to allow things to occur in the frame. And that's a very different way of shooting, you, you know, where you don't want to follow everything. You want someone to go – there will be you know, some frames that you're capturing that are not well-framed because the person's leaving frame or they're doing whatever. But you don't want to follow them because you want to um, – you know, the, the camera can't move as often as people do or it looks – you know, people get seasick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, next story up is um, about <laughs> – you know, we get a, I, I, we did a survey, Alex, uh, a couple of weeks ago on uh, the the uh, on this week in photo. Sent it out to the to the group, and one of the things that people talked about in the responses were they love iPhone stuff, but they they said we talk about it a little bit too much, and I don't agree because iPhone is uh, becoming, especially with iPhone four, is becoming a viable way to take pictures. I mean, to take plane shoot pictures at the very least. And story number three kind of speaks to that. You know, there's a this photographer Lee Morris over at uh, fstoppers.com did this professional and videotaped or, or shot uh, a professional photo fashion shoot. With an iPhone 3GS, not even an iPhone 4, but he shot the whole thing with a 3GS just to demonstrate that with this little kind of sensor camera and, and all of its limitations, given the right lighting and retouchers and makeup artists and all that, you could produce some pretty stunning work. And we, we I posted the video up on thisweekinphoto.com, but uh, I really wanted to get, you know, first off, you, Catherine, your thoughts on... I know you wouldn't, you'd never, never say never, but I don't think in the foreseeable future you'd be using your iPhone or a point-and-shoot camera to do professional work with. But the the idea of being able to create professional results from such a small camera uh, illustrates the fact that it's not the camera that creates the results. It's the photographer. Now, do you agree with that or do you think it's in the camera as well? Um, well, first of all, I wouldn't have the balls to do a professional shoot with the iPhone. That is like bringing a whole team to put together a shoot and only using your iPhone. I wonder, did he shoot other? I don't know. No, he, he, I think he did. The, he did it as a as a demonstration of doing professional photography with an iPhone. So I don't he think did he did it. Let's just let's call a spade a spade. He did it uh, as a PR stunt. Gotcha. And it was well done. Yeah, gotcha. it worked because we're talking about it, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's true. And if it's on Twip, like you said, I mean, yeah, if it's not on Twip, it doesn't exist. So, <laughs> um, so back to what was your question again, Frederick? I got distracted. Oh no, no. So I was just saying, do you think basically, do you think it's the photographer or the gear that oh, the that makes the images? The well, I mean, at the end of the day, like yes, I have everything L series, you know, top of the line. Um, I do think it's a combination. I do think um, if you're for example, just if you're shooting in low lighting situations and you're, if you shoot in a low light situation with an iPhone, forget it. 
I don't I don't know about the four. I just got it literally two days ago. But um, I know that my 3GS, it was grainy and horrid, you know. <laughs> so from that perspective, um, I do think having the right gear is very important. But I think that's to make you a proficient or make you a good photographer. I think if you're going to go for the, the extraordinary, then it has really little to do with the gear after that point. Does that make sense? So what I'm basically trying to say is, yes, while gear is very important, um, and I think it's integral to, you know, producing high-quality work, I do agree with that. Um, at the same time, to go to the extraordinary, it really has nothing to do with the gear at that point. Yeah. Now, Alex, where, where do you fall on that? I mean, we I know we've talked about it before, but but specifically with this iPhone 3GS, and you are the guy that I remember after the 3GS launched, I remember seeing some sort of Frankenstein <laughs> get up that you could barely tell that there was an iPhone in there that you put together. So I can have a feeling I know where you land on this, but do you think, is it the gear or is it the camera? It's, or is it's, it the photographer? It, it's always the photographer. I mean, the, you can definitely get better quality with a better, you know, tool. But the tool is just the tool, you know. And the and you know, I um, a lot of times I when I talk to when I do talks about computer graphics, for instance, you know, I'll I kind of break it down into there's, you know, twenty percent is the technology. So whether it's you know the tool you're using or your ability to use Photoshop or whatever it is, twenty percent is about that. And to me. Forty percent is is your eye, how good your eye is, and seeing the difference between what's good and what's crap, you know, and and um, and that takes a long time. That's uh, that's the thing that is very difficult to develop. And the other forty percent, in my opinion, is iteration. How many times do you get to see it? How 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 long do you get to look at it? How how many times do you get to make those iterations? And so, um, and to me, that's how that breaks out. And so, to me, the the tools themselves are about twenty percent. They are an important twenty percent, but I think that. The, the person's eye and in, 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 in what, what you saw there with this with this fashion photography is that you have a person who really understands what makes a good fashion image and has some of the tools to make that work. But more importantly, you could give a person who owns an iPhone and people say, oh, well, I don't have all those lights. Well, yeah, you could give someone all those lights and they would not come up with those photos, you know, ne- necessarily like some average person off the street. Like, here's a bunch of lights. And here's an iPhone, and they and they may or may not come up with something good, but I mean, here's a guy who really understands how to get the most out of a, any camera, and uh, and he took a lot, he got a lot out of the out of the iPhone. All right, so, so I like. Go, oh, ahead, sorry. Go, go ahead, Kathy. I was just gonna say I like how you just described that, and I think it's really true. And I mean, if you think about you know collections, collectors of photographs, and you know, I just bought my first old photograph, um, and yeah, it's you know it's. For, 40 years old, but it's still amazingly beautiful. And that technology was what back then. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I have a guy, I, I, we were just talking about this on this week of media earlier, but I have a friend of mine who's an artist who's just one of the best artists that I know, a guy named Ian McCaig, and he was a character designer for Star Wars. And, and he could, he would play this game with kids. You'd always see him playing it on a, at a, uh, like at a dinner. He'd be sitting next to a kid and he would play this game with them where they draw a line and he draws a line and they draw a line and he draws a line. So they're on a napkin with a pen drawing a um and, and it's a three-year-old or a five-year-old or a eight-year-old drawing a line drawing one line for his line and no matter what they did it would come out as this work of art that you could almost put on i mean you could put it on your wall <laughs> it was just that's i mean great. you're just looking you're just like you know a pen on a napkin with somebody else drawing half of it that's, that doesn't do art and he can pull that back out again you know and, and i think that that's the the thing is a great artist is a great artist is a great artist and the tools are just you know a piece of that puzzle 
Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I totally agree. Speaking of that and tools and the iPhone uh, story, there's one of the story I wanted to skip to in here is someone added a Carl Zeiss SLR lens to an iPhone. <laughs> Alex, are you? <laughs> Love did, it. did you see this? And are you going to get this? And of course, I'm going to get it. I got. I got to call WTF on this. You know what? <laughs> what well, I'm with, I'm with you, Frederick. What's the point? You know, what, I'm not going to carry. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to carry this thing around when I have perfectly good cameras. And and if you don't have a perfectly good camera, what are you doing with a Zeiss lens? Anyway, I'm just, you, know, I, you know, I don't want to put a Zeiss lens on. I want to put my Canon lenses on it. And, uh, why? and the, well, because it would, put, a, put your Canon lenses on your Canon. Hey, I'm shooting. <laughs> I'm shooting 4K. I'm shooting tomorrow. Uh, it'll be after you guys hear this show. But we're shooting 4K uh, a Mac break. Why? Because we can. Mm. And so, so the uh, you know, I think that I think it's fun. I, I don't know if you really need to do this, but um, you know, the thing is, is that it you know, your con. I think there's a real uh, excitement about pushing the envelope, and I think that's all it is. But yeah, on a day to day basis, yeah, you don't you don't want to carry that around. Yeah, yeah, Catherine, can I? Can I? Will there ever be a day when you'll stick a Carl's Ice SLR lens on your iPhone and no, go shoot a job? I saw the image of this. I think it's the most ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just thinking if I'm going to carry a little tripod and the camera lens. Oh wow! I mean, why not just? That's yeah, right. My it has a little stand and everything, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it has a Manfrotto stand, which is great, but you know, it just feels like I might as well just carry my camera. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, we'll definitely link to all these things in the in the show notes, and uh, so folks can get a look at these pictures. Yeah, but... you should take a look. It's an interesting contraption they got going on. Whoever thought of this, I'm not really sure. Anyway, well, they, Alex they definitely it. had some Alex DNA. Yeah. Of, because I can. <laughs> <laughs> fun, fun. All right, all right, guys. Okay. Let's let's jump into the uh, to the listener questions. Uh, we got some got a couple of really good questions in here. The first one. I'm going to give to you, Catherine. It goes, it's from Alejandro Rosano. Do you want to take this one? Sure. Um, should I read the question? Sure. First? Yep. Okay. I have a question regarding focus points. I usually only use the middle focus point to focus and then recompose. Is there a difference between focusing and then recomposing and selecting the focus point to mark where your subject is? So, yes. Um, basically, I highly, highly, highly suggest moving your focusing point screen around um, so that if you're move, if you're shooting things, just getting in the habits. So when you're shooting things that might be moving or, you know, you, that you have that focusing point sort of on your subject, especially if you're shooting people. Um, sometimes, however, the focusing point won't, you won't, they're, they're limited. They're not over the entire screen. So you may obviously have to recompose on some situations, but I would then pick the focusing point that is closest to your subject. So just get used to it. You, you'll, it will become very intuitive moving the fo- focusing point around, but, um, and then you'll be a lot quicker than if you're trying to focus on the middle focusing point. Well, and I think that there's um, one of the other issues with that is also if you're using a really, uh, and this isn't actually me, Joseph, jo- Joseph Lenaski actually point, pointed this out when I was talking about always using the center because I was like, oh, I always just use the center and move over. And he pointed out that if, you're, if you have a really short depth of field, uh, the the rotation there um, is actually going to change by the handful of inches that, you know, the distance that the person is from the lens is going to change by enough to put them out of focus. You know, if you're at a 1.4, 1.2, you know, if you center in the middle and then, and then recompose over to the side, you could actually, you know, get them a little softer where you were actually shooting. And so that's another, another consideration. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, very good. Thanks, Catherine. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, question number two. I'm going to take this one. It's from Rick Moore. He says, I really like the tap focus on the iPhone and also tap exposure. So when do you guys think we're going to get these features on SLRs? And my, I have no idea, um, but I want them very soon. And like Ron Brinkman says on the show, wouldn't it be great? And he, I think he even had like some sort of artist rendering on his, on his uh, digitalcomposting.com site where there was an iPhone sort of grafted into the back of an SLR so you could just snap it in there and the iPhone becomes the UI for the SLR. I think that is the direction I would that's love things to go. You you think that's the future? Because you can we do were, it we were now. We were talking right? about this on Trip a while ago. Yeah, you think I think you, I think that yeah. Do you, do you Alex would I mean is are we getting there because well, it doesn't seem like these camera manufacturers are budging on their UIs. I think, I think that the company that that would do this or that should seriously think about doing it is Sigma because they're the ones that are kind of on the outside of the market that have what they have as a chip and they have a lot of lenses and no one cares about the camera body. So what they ought to do is give us a camera body that we care about, which is I mean I would I have to admit as someone who owns, I own um, four Cameron, uh, four expensive Canon SLRs and a bunch of glass, and I would buy a Sigma that that was con- that I could insert an iPhone into in a heartbeat, heartbeat. Um, and I and then I would decide whether I like it or not. But they have the Fobion sensor, the sensor and the lenses is all they have that really matters. Otherwise, it's completely commoditized. So give us something that's original, and the uh, the iPhone is faster than the date that. The iPhone is faster than the processors that are in these cameras. Uh, it has more memory than what's in these cameras. It, is, um, it has a better interface than any of their, you know, I mean, if you look at the new iPhone 4, it's got a higher resolution in, in, interface than what they have in these cameras. There's no reason not to use it, and it essentially open sources their camera. It lets developers do all kinds of crazy things where they have, I got a chip and I got lens, and I can do whatever I want to have the camera. And it should still have the form factor of an SLR. It just, you just slide the camera into it. Um, and I think that, as I said, I think it might be hard for Canon and Nikon to get over the hump. But I think that Sigma would be the, the, the company that could do that. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, and I wouldn't even, I would, I would go so far as to say just make it iPod Touch compatible, you know, not yeah. necessarily iPhone. Just so you can slide that thing in there. Hopefully we'll get iPhone 4 looking iPod Touches and you slide that in there and boom, automatically detects. And there's your UI and you just go to town on it. That would, that's my future there. I would love to see that. All right, question number three is going to you, Alex. It's Mark Lane. I've, uh, I've been using Digital Photo Professional to edit my raw photos, but I did not understand until recently that when I edit them, it is not saved within the CR2 file, but rather in the DPP library. I, I'm now wanting to purchase Lightroom, uh, but would first have to know how to move my files from DPP to Lightroom, keeping the enhancements I've made and not having to export them as TIFFs. Any idea how to do this? And I don't think that's possible. Mm-mm. No, I think you're. I think you are. This is the this is the lock in that you get into when you start adjusting your photos in Lightroom or Aperture or you know I I I don't uh, I have Lightroom and I like Lightroom. I think Lightroom is great, but I I use Aperture for my my uh, library, and I've got tens of thousands. I mean, I have uh, two or three terabyte uh, two or three terabyte library that is uh, two and a half terabyte library that is uh, um, that is all got all these adjustments and all these settings and all these keywords and everything else. I'm pretty much locked into Aperture. Yeah, you know, and, well, and he I, might, it, you know what? He might try. I'm not. I'm not familiar with Digital Photo Professional, but he might see if that application will allow him to export a, uh, an Adobe DNG file, uh, because then that'll act as a wrapper around all that stuff, and he'll yeah. he'll be able to import it into Lightroom. And the settings, I'm not sure of, but uh, he, you know, he'll at least get 
everything else, like his metadata and all that stuff, will will be transferred over, and his preview file and all that. It is it is important for to think about uh, what where you want to end up and really look at these things because you know you think oh I can start on something I can smart start in a small package and then grow to a big package but this is the problem you get into the only package that I know of that where you can go small to big is iPhoto to Aperture. Hey Alex remember this is a family show so keep it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> Leo got me started on that. I had to do it. It was a, it was a rough show, yeah, yeah. It was a old spice show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, awesome. That was a great answer. Um, shall we move on to the picks of the week? Let's sure. do it. Catherine, sure. what is your pick of the week? Um, mine is the D1 1000 Air made by Profoto. And it also comes in a kit. But it's my absolute favorite, favorite strobe system that I've ever put my hands on. Um, it has everything you expect from Profoto, like being really tough and consistent and having really fast recycling times. Um, but the thing I love the most about it is it's incredibly compact and easy to use. You literally plug it in a wall and it's ready to go. So no power packs. Um, and since it's an air system, it has the remote built into the head. So you're not having pocket wizards hanging off the lights with packs. And it's just like for a, not wanting to carry around a lot of complex stuff and easy to move the lights. It's the greatest thing ever. So. Very cool. What's what's that cost? What's that going to set me back? Oh, um, I don't know. If you buy the kit, I'm looking on B&H right now. If you buy the kit, I think it's like three grand or something. It's not that bad um, for f- Profoto. I thought it was going to be more, actually. And that Profoto gear will last forever, right? Oh, so. yeah. it's it, like That's the reason why I invested in it. It was sort of one of those things where, yeah, I could get something cheaper, but then it wouldn't be as high quality, and then it, I didn't have to probably rebuy it and I, i'm abusive to my stuff <laughs> yeah you know i have assistants handling it that thrash it around so she's verbally abusive she's like yes i'm very abusive watch out for me you're a big stupid light go stupid, to your room stupid. no wire hangers oh it's actually it's only well the 500 watt is 2719 so 2719 um but i would go with the 1000 if you can which um, is thirty five hundred, and the one thousand. The kits include two lights, umbrellas, and stands. Um, but that's not bad. Twenty seven hundred dollars for a five hundred watt. Yeah, that's. Great. I would still it, go thousand though. And, and for the TWIP audience, this is we're we're clearly Catherine's a professional photographer that that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> pays, pays her mortgage with by by shooting crazy good shots and charging clients, and but every is worth every bit of the money she charges. So adjust your your budgets accordingly. So this when she says it's cheap, it's cheap in the context oh, of Catherineville. <laughs> Or Alexville, because well, Alex context, Alex is the same way. All right, Alex, what's what's your pick of the week? I got a new camera. A new ca- What is it? So it's it's another one of these. I, I I recommended one a while ago, and I got a new version of it, and uh, and I use it. It's it's once again one of these specific things. I've given up on having one camera that I'm going to use for everything. So I have. Lots of cameras now, just lots of different cameras that do different things, and many of them only have one use. So I use my Fuji for 3D, and I use my uh, 5D for a lot of the you know main mainline photography, um, and uh, I, use, I use my 7D as a webcam. Um, anyway, so uh, 
but uh, which actually works really well, by the way, in case you're wondering. You put a 50 millimeter 1.4 on it, and it's just a great webcam. Looks Ooh, awesome. We got to talk about that. So. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so uh, yeah, exactly. It, it, the 5D actually works better because it lasts, uh, it'll go 30 minutes before it automatically turns off. And, is this uh, a dedicated webcam? It just sits there. The 70, like... the 70, the 70 <laughs> is a dedicated webcam okay. right now. Um, so that's way. That's way again far. for those folks in the audience that for which money is no object. <laughs> no, we. So here's the deal: is that we, we there are All needs. Of a there are my t- light system is cheaper. <laughs> there, well, the, there are reasons we have. We have two seventies and two five to do to do interviews, but we don't use them all the time for that. And so you know when we're not using them, I have. I mean, there's otherwise it's sitting on the shelf. So I'm uh, instead of doing that, I, I my seventy is actually uh, connected to a Blackmagic intensity card um, that's taking the HDMI raw out of it, and then that flows into conduit, um, which I then use a cam twist to feed that into Skype. Oh my god! So anyway, that's, that's, that's this sounds like a mousetrap. I have a question for you, Alex. <laughs> yeah. With all of, can, can I ask an off-subject question? Sure. With all of your gear, who do you have insuring all of your stuff? Oh, uh, uh, Hartford, I think. Oh, that's who I have too. Okay. Yeah, cool. I think it's Hartford. Yeah, um, uh, and um, it's it's like what, what do they call it? It's like ship. It's like I have maritime. the marine. marine yeah, it's marine. Thing. It's maritime. Yeah, yeah it's, that's that, that's how that somehow we got classified under that. Yeah, but we have a lot. I mean, we have so we can travel. Well, well, since since you brought that up, Catherine, tell us tell us about these people. Who is it? Hartford and yeah, this just just what it, what do they do and and what does it cost and all that good stuff. Well, it, the cost is dependent on how much you have insured. Um, so I know that mine is around eight hundred dollars a year, um, but Wish that's yeah, <laughs> Alex. I don't know what else this is, <laughs> but anyway. With that said, it's it, I don't know if you, you find under Hill and Usher. I think Hill and Usher is the company, and that's the umbrella company is the Hartford or vice versa. Well, there's, and there's a, there's brokers that you can get. Uh, that, uh, okay. Yeah, there's brokers that you can find. I mean, you can go. We went directly, and I have to admit, we're about to restructure ours. Um, probably still end up with Hartford, but you know, we try to kind of roll our own, and it's fine. Um, but we have enough equipment that we worry about it, and so the. Uh, so the thing is, is you can get a broker, and you really do want to get a broker to, to do this, um, to really design these for you, uh, and they'll really look at your business and, and put those together. But I, yeah, I think we spend, uh, yeah, we probably spend four or five thousand dollars a year. Oh my gosh! On, yeah. But but we have like you know it's a quarter million dollars of equipment, and it's then we have all yeah. this liability, and you know like we have some clients that literally to shoot to shoot for them, we have to have this massive amount of uh, liability and you know insurance in case we you know burn the building down or whatever yeah. so we have millions of dollars of that insurance and then you have and then once you start doing once you start having a company and it's not your own personal whatever you have what's called error and emissions or eno insurance which means there's just a flat out if i screw up there's an insurance com- you know there's insurance for that too wow. um you know if, I, if you know and so there's you know and you get all these because the the um you know the ramifications of some of that stuff you know, can be pretty. Yeah, yeah. It could, I mean, could torpedo the company, right? If I don't even blink yeah. twice before I pay that bill. You know. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So. All right. Uh, so my pick of the week, uh, moving right along, is as Catherine alluded to at the top of the show, we just relaunched our new website, thisweekinphoto.com, and that's my it pick is so of the cool. week. It's my pick. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I got to say, it's just the beginning. It is. It is just the beginning of this thing. So we, you know, I, I did a guided tour. So if you are listening to this, the guided tour has been posted already. So head over to thisweekinphoto.com forward slash tour 
and um, you'll see a little video of me taking you through why the site is cool and, and why we did certain things in there. Um, Alex is on there all the time. The hosts are going to be in there. I'm in there all the time. Alex, you, do, you, do you think this is a little bit better than the previous edition of the site, or should we go I back to the I want you to know that way? I worked on the previous edition of the site. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a huge jump up, and and I'm excited. I got some articles that I'm working on right now for it, and uh, um, it is uh, it's just such a uh, I'm, I'm in love with it. So, and I I want to say one thing too about the site is not only obvious the obvious would be the wealth of content, which is a given, um, but it was just so well designed. I mean, the design and the ease of navigating around the site is just phenomenal. So, yeah, yeah. We're, like, we're, there'll be many hours sucked in. <laughs> yeah. It is, and like Alex was saying, it, 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 it's only the two in the water. So there's a lot of things that uh, we're cooking up that will start showing up in there really quickly. Um, and now the cool thing is we have a platform to do the stuff. So if Alex has a wild hair about some cool thing that he wants to demonstrate, he can record a screencast and throw it up there. Right. Catherine, if you want to write an article, you can do that. So it's it's just a platform for all the people that are involved in this week in photo to to be that much closer to the audience so we're really excited about it and i'm really really excited about it so yeah um and that's it it looks like you know what we're at the end of the show this hour went really fast i don't know why go quickly it's because you it's because i was on this time i think i think (laughs) yes you you were the uh the social catalyst for this show so, Catherine, uh, if if folks are looking for you, where where can they find you online? What's the best place to point them to? Um, well, Twitter is which is Catherine spelled like Catherine the Great underscore Hall, and my website is CatherineHall.net. All right, and Mr. Alex Lindsay, I know what you're going to say, but where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the Twitters. <laughs> and you're at Alex Lindsay on Twitter. Computers. <laughs> Oh, you said the Twitters, the Twitters, all of them. You can all get out there. You go to all the Twitters, and you can find me. You know, I heard okay, the, no, the, the no, Twitters are just so a, it's just a series of tweets. You know, just a series of tweets. <laughs> oh, it's, it's a bunch of them. Right. Um, and uh, if you're looking for me, you can find me on my blog at frederickvan.com or at this week in photo.com. Awesome. Um, and I would also encourage you to to check out our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash this week in photography or follow us on twitter at twitter.com forward slash this week in photo and with that it is time to take that lens cap off This Week in Photography is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamankar. Content contributor is Eric Horton.